Welcome to Wellversed, where we bring biblical principles of governance to governmental leaders and you. This is the Wellversed podcast. We're going to shift right now to Canada. I'm going to go to Nathaniel Pawlowski. Um, this is a story that is so heartbreaking. There's a pastor. I have never met Pastor Arthur Pawlowski, but his son's going to be on and tell you a story that's going to disturb you a great deal in terms of how the Canadian government is treating a pastor up there uh, who's now in solitary confinement. Nathaniel, we, we sure appreciate you coming on. And though it must be painful to tell a story that your dad's going through, give us the story, the background on where your father's from and the experiences he's had in the past uh, with Canadian authorities and now what he's facing at this moment. Welcome, Nathaniel. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so my dad at this moment is in solitary confinement for the last month. For 30 days, he has been in solitary confinement for doing his job as a pastor. This is his fifth arrest since the whole pandemic hysteria arose. His 15th or 16th total arrest in Canada since 2006. He has experienced persecution and harassment like very few on this planet. Um, he has received th over 350 citations, uh, 50 COVID tickets, um, injunctions, court orders, summons. It, the, the list goes on. It, it's insanity what's going on in Canada right now. They are silencing, trying to silence him uh, and any and all political opposition, actually. Uh, they're going after anyone who opposes this tyranny, um, this 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 totalitarian regime, really, um, that we have here in Canada. So my dad has become a polit political prisoner. Um, he was denied bail twice because the judge claims he's a danger to the public. Like, I've heard of murderers and rapists be let out on bail, but this pastor is being denied bail because he's the danger to the public. It's absolute insanity. I mean, the justice system has become a tool in the hands of these tyrants. Um, it's not about health. It's not about safety. It's not about law and order. Um, it's about none, none of that. It's about bowing to the government. It's about doing the will of the tyrants. And if you oppose that, you will be punished. So right now he's become um, sort of like a symbol in that they're trying to show the world what happens to those that are vocally opposed to their regime. So again, he's one month in solitary confinement. Of course, uh, he's in solitary confinement because under the pretext that uh, this is for his safety. After all, he's in quarantine. Uh, so it's for his safety and everybody else's safety. Uh, but 14 days is up. It's uh, the 30th or 31st day today. And he's still in solitary confinement. And he's still being denied bail. Um, the courts are playing games. I mean, our lawyers just received the transcripts from the courts so that they can proceed forward with the case. Um, he's being treated like, like no other inmate in Alberta's history. Uh, the treatment he's receiving in the prison, I mean, all of this is just, it's showing what this is all really about. It's exposing the, the level of corruption, the level of tyranny that has swept through our land. Um, so what we do, I mean, we right now, actually, as, uh, as I'm speaking, we're going to be heading to, um, the prison. We're there every single day for 30 days. We've been there. Uh, we have a 
peaceful protest, a prayer vigil. We bring speakers, we bring, um, you know, signs and all that and shofars. And we're there to show our discontent with the treatment of a pastor in a free and democratic society. Um, this is, this is ridiculous. I mean, we're here to, um, we're, we're, we, my father came here to Canada for freedom because the embassy of Canada promised him and my family freedom, freedom of religion, freedom of expression, freedom of assembly. And for those freedoms, he's right now being jailed. He is in jail right now because he gave a speech to the truckers. He went down to the border um, uh, at Coots, that's the Sweetgrass, Montana, Alberta border, and where the truckers had a blockade and he gave them a speech. He went down there to do Lord's prayer with them, uh, Lord's supper and to, and to motivate them, uh, show his support with people, patriots that are standing for their freedoms. So he gave a 20 minute speech. And for that, he is one month in solitary confinement. This is jolting here. I didn't care, catch when you said he came to Canada from what country? Poland. So originally, uh, my family is from Poland. They escaped communism, actually. Um, and they came to they originally emigrated to Greece, uh, but they were sick of the corruption there. So they came to Canada because the Canadian government promised them freedom. They didn't come here for money. They didn't come here for any other reason. They were they came here for freedom because the government promised them freedom to worship their God without persecution. And yet he was the first person, I think, in Canada's history to be arrested for reading the Bible in public. You may have lost contact. Can you hear me okay, Nathaniel? Yeah, I can hear you. You froze oh, okay. a little there. You know, it's our connection may be, may be a little bit weak. He, he was arrested originally. Uh, the, the, the video went viral when the police stormed his church. Uh, when, how long ago was that? Yeah, so that was uh, in April of last year. Uh, the police, the authorities came to our church on Easter weekend uh, for Passover weekend, where, which is like one of the holiest days um, in Christianity. And they came during our service to disrupt the service um, to basically shut it down. So as you saw in the video, my dad chased them out. And because it all started really with that, um, because he embarrassed them on a global scale and he showed the world how you can resist this, how you can say no to them, because what they're doing is illegal. They actually broke the criminal code uh, that day when they did that. They also broke our uh, constitution, uh, but they broke several laws there by doing that. So my dad showed the world, he embarrassed them, he exposed them, but he showed the world how you can resist. And from that moment, he sort of became... Uh, one of the front runners in this um, COVID era for freedom. And for that, he has been uh, severely punished since. We're very proud of your father, and I know you are too. We're proud of you for standing. You're very articulate. And it must break your heart to see your dad in this situation. Uh, I know you have to go to another commitment, so I'm going to release you here in a moment. But before you go, uh, is, there, is, there, is there any way other than interviewing you and getting the word out to people in the U.S., the any place we can even write letters to try to ratchet up some of the pressure on public officials, is that a possibility? 
It is. Um, right now, there's, there's several people in authority who are responsible for this, who are using the justice system as their tool, as a political tool. Um, our premier, Jason Kenney, he is directly responsible for this and has a pull on this situation. Um, he's a liar. He, he, he keeps saying that he's for people's freedoms, essentially, but he's arresting pastors. I mean, he's going to go down as the worst premier in Canada's history. He's jailed um, three or four pastors now, and one has been in solitary confinement for a month. So him, Jason Kenney, um, our justice minister, Tyler Shandro, um, you'd have to Google their uh, contact information. I, I don't know it off the top of my head. Um, so Tyler Shandro and Jason Kenney, those people have direct influence over this situation politically. And um, yeah, yeah, my dad loves re receiving letters. He said the other day that he's been receiving many letters and he really likes it because all the, the guards that receive the letters, they have to read it. So he, they have to read thousands of Bible verses and, um, you know, all the support that he's getting. So He's uh, one, one guy said he wrote down like half the Bible in a letter and, and sent it in so that they would have to read it because they have to check for like, you know, encoded messages or whatever contraband and all, all that stuff. Um, so he loves receiving letters. If you Google uh, Calgary remand center, you, uh, you can tell them uh, they, they, they initially, they treated him very poorly, uh, very different than any other inmate. Um, so we're, we're also going to take legal action against the institution for treating them, uh, the, like inhumanely, uh, really. Um, so you can contact the Calgary remand center and, uh, call them and tell them, Hey, you don't agree with the treatment that this pastor is receiving. Uh, and if you want to send him, send him letters there, then, uh, you can do that also. Nathaniel will, uh. I'm going to have Suzanne or, or Judy, if you will contact uh, Nathaniel and connect uh, he and I together, I'll put out a newsletter on this exactly with the addresses where people can write that we want to be a part of this. Uh, we, we are deeply grieved you're going through this. We'll need to release you because I know you got another commitment, but I want to go to my co-host Mario. Uh, Mario, if you have a question right now before Nathaniel leaves, what question might you have for him? Mario, I believe we've lost you. Okay, Nathaniel, Sorry. thank you. Yes, thank you so much for joining us. Um, my two quick questions, how is your father doing and what would he tell us right now if he was on the program? He's, uh, he's standing strong. He says, you know, they're trying to break him, uh, but he's, he's not easily broken. He stands with God. He stands on the right side of history. He would say to everyone right now, uh, in the end, we know we win, and we know that the devices of the enemy will be used against their own heads. What the enemy meant for evil, God Amen. will always turn around for good. Um, in the end, we win. Uh, keep fighting. Stand up. Do not bow to them, and continue fighting. Awesome. Thank you so much. We will continue to keep him and your family in prayer. Thank you so much. Back to you, Jim. Thank you. Nathaniel, people who write from prison tend to write with a unique insight that the Holy Spirit honors. Uh, Paul's letter from prison, uh, we think of various people, Bonhoeffer, we think of through history, uh, we think of Martin Luther King's letters from the Birmingham jail. Somehow writing from prison, there's just insights that have encouraged your father to write. And because uh, this is a time where he's getting a download from the Holy Spirit. 
and that, that will be very valuable to people later. In the meantime, we'll be in touch ways we can flood him with letters and flood authorities with letters. So either Judy or Suzanne or someone will be in touch with you, connect directly to me, and uh, so we can put out a newsletter to this event. Thank you, Nathaniel, so much. We pray the blessing of the Lord upon you in the name of Jesus as you go. Thank you so much. God bless you. Bless you. We're going to go right to um, Ezra, Ezra Levant, and he is going to give us some more insights on this. He's with Rebel News, who I like, even like the title of that. Uh, Ezra, come on and uh, fill in around more information on this situation. Thank you, Ezra, for being with us from Canada. By the way, all you from the United States, do not think this cannot happen in the United States. We're only a couple yards behind Canada in so many respects on this. So this is a warning to those of us in the United States. Ezra, we want to hear from you. Thank you. Well, I've known Pastor Arthur for more than a decade, so I've always kept an eye on him out of the corner of my eye. And on, in April of 2020, very shortly after the pandemic emergency was declared, I saw a video of Pastor Arthur doing what he always does, which is feeding the homeless outside. And I'm talking about the lowliest of the low, people who, for various reasons, often aren't even allowed into homeless shelters. Maybe they're on drugs. Maybe they have a personality disorder that makes them occasionally violent. I'm talking about the people who fall through the cracks. And what Pastor Arthur always does is he goes outside to them and he feeds them and he talks to them about religion. And it being early in the pandemic, he was feeding the homeless on the street. And a group of police came up to him and pushed him around physically and gave him a ticket for more than $1,000 saying that what he was doing was not feeding the homeless, but rather he was hosting an illegal gathering, an illegal gathering by feeding the homeless. And I was so frustrated. Watch, they were physically pushing the pastor around, these police. Uh, it, it, it was so troubling to see that I called him up and I said, we're not just going to do a news story about this. Let's crowdfund you a lawyer because hiring a competent lawyer and fighting these endless battles, you heard how many times he's been arrested. That that's not within the skill set of an average pastor. So we hired a team of lawyers and we're coming up on the second anniversary of this legal battle. You heard Nathaniel describe it. And I want to echo what Nathaniel said. I want to let you know he is not exaggerating. For example, Pastor Arthur has never done anything illegal in his life other than these political infractions. Um, he was accused of keeping his church open despite a pandemic lockdown order for one hour and 10 minutes. And for that, he has served, as you hear, months in, in jail, back and forth, back and forth. He was arrested in a SWAT team style takedown on the side of a highway with a dozen officers who pulled him into the, into the road with speeding traffic. You can see all this on video, if you go to the website we've set up for him, savearthur.com. And that website, savearthur.com, has every report we've done on the man. And there's, there's got to be close to 100 now. Because they're always arresting him or his brother or, or coming to his church. It's endless. And I just want to say, 
that when you arrest someone, you can call them and, and they can turn themselves in. You can arrest them at home and at church. They love the spectacular SWAT team style raid as if he's a big drug dealer. They're trying to humiliate him. They're trying to humiliate him personally, but also to create the spectacle to others. And they can't break him. And I don't think they will. You heard Nathaniel talk about that a bit. And, and I think the reason is his history. He comes from Poland, which was a country that was first dominated by the Nazis. And then it was dominated by the Soviets. And I think he learned a little bit about the price of freedom. And he came to Canada for that reason. And I've never met a more resilient man. I should tell you that solitary confinement is not meant as a long-term way to hold someone. In fact, after a certain period of time, it's a form of torture. It's sensory deprivation. It's psychological torture. And the fact that they put him, and, and again, Nathaniel's right, the premier of Alberta, who once held himself out as a friend of Christian uh, freedom, he's actually jailed other pastors too. He, perhaps you know Pastor James Coates uh, from um, the Edmonton area, was jailed for 35 days in the Edmonton Maximum Security Remand Center. 400 violent criminals were let out of that prison because of COVID. 400 violent criminals out. Pastor James Coates in. Criminals were let out of prison, but Pastor Arthur Pavlovsky in. And I want to tell you that jail is atrocious, but let me tell you something even more shocking. And I say this, and I'm a former lawyer and I'm a journalist and I, and I follow these things. Let me tell you what a recent court order against Pastor Arthur Pavlovsky was. You're right, that video of him saying, get out, get out, that went viral around the world. It was a clarion call. It was like a shofar blow in itself, wasn't it? And people rose and said, I can be free again. Look at this man showing how to be free. When he appeared before a judge in Alberta named Adam Germain, not only did Germain fine him an enormous amount of money, but that's just money. But listen to what the judge did in the name of the law. Anytime Pastor Arthur Pavlovsky spoke in contradiction to government policy, the judge ordered him to immediately thereafter read a little, a, a little uh, group of sentences drafted by the judge renouncing Arthur's own views. So the judge said, hey, Pastor Arthur, if you're giving a sermon in church, if you're writing something on Facebook, if you're doing a media interview, after you criticize the government, you must immediately read this denunciation of yourself that I have personally drafted. Not just that, the judge specifically uh, condemned Arthur for talking to other Christians. As you may know, Arthur went on an American speaking tour, ringing the warning bell. The judge hated that and specifically banned Arthur from doing that again and made it so if Arthur appeared on American TV, as you know, Arthur was on um, Tucker Carlson, etc., that Arthur would have to, in that interview, self-denounce like some Maoist struggle session. That is a political prisoner. And put aside the health orders, put aside everything else. What kind of punishment orders a man to say words he does not believe in Canada? And I'm sure it's the same in America. Even a convicted murderer 
cannot be ordered to say, I'm sorry, because it would be meaningless. If someone's compelled to say words that are false, what, what's the value of it? But they compelled Arthur. Now, of course, he didn't comply. Of course, he didn't bend the knee. But that is the state of political and religious freedom in Canada. And I have to tell you, there have been more Christian pastors jailed in Canada using the lockdown and the pandemic as an excuse than in China in the same period. And that is a fact. My goodness. That's jolt. Your last sentence is jolting to hear. That is hard to hear. By the way, uh, Mario and Judy, uh, our, our internet is unstable where we are. So be prepared to take over if we suddenly disappear. Uh, the, the website again is savearthur.com. Is Arthur spelled in this case A-R-T-U-R without an H in it, correct? Okay, everyone. That's how his name is spelled, but either if yeah. you type it either way, it'll get to the same destination. Okay. And and for people who find what I'm saying hard to believe about the SWAT team style arrests, about the police harassment, if you think I'm exaggerating when I say more than a dozen police, um, I encourage you to go to savearthur.com and watch with your own eyes. Because one thing Arthur is very good at is if something's happening, he or his son or his brother turn on the camera because otherwise no one would believe it. I myself would be skeptical. If someone would have said, we're giving a man a thousand dollar fine for feeding the homeless and we're calling it an illegal gathering. I'd say, come on, you're, you're leaving out some of the story. No, if you go to savearthur.com, you will see with your own eyes how the police treat him, and those videos do not lie. And the fact that this is happening in Canada in 2021 and 2022 is a disgrace. And I would call upon our American friends to be as concerned about your northern neighbor as you would be concerned about a country on the other side of the world. Be concerned for everyone, but do not think that because it's in Canada, it's somehow okay. In fact, it's, it's more outrageous that it's happening in Canada, and it's a warning uh, alarm that do you think this cannot come to America? I tell you, it's just across your border. This is, you've been listening to Ezra Levant. He's with Rebel News. Is that right? Rebel That's News. Right. We're a, news, we're, we're a, a citizen journalism. We've got about 60 staff, and we have really championed Arthur's cause. We made a decision in April of 2020 when I saw that video of him being pushed around by the cops. I, I something in my a, a switch flipped in me and I said, it's not enough to tell the story. And I called up Arthur and I said, you need a lawyer. And I know you probably don't know how to hire one or crowd forward, but I'm not, I'm not sounding disrespectful. I'm just saying that's not a, you know, hiring criminal lawyers, hiring lawyers, crowdfunding lawyers. That's not a skill set that most pastors are called upon to use. And I said, well, our viewers will take care of you. And it's been two years now. And I'm not going to tell you how, many, how much money we've spent on it, but we are going, I told him we will go all the way. And we have another date at the Court of Appeal in June, but they will not let up. They have, you've heard, you heard Nathaniel, his son, dozens, dozens of fines and tickets and summonses. I don't think that they will ever stop. They want to break his spirit. It's like Solzhenitsyn. If they could send them into Siberia, into exile, they would. And part of me, it's atrocious to say it out loud, but I think it's so I should say it. I think they want him to die in prison. I think they want something terrible to happen to him. 
And if it weren't for all the public attention on him, I fear that's exactly what would happen. And if you think that's an exorbitant thing to say, well, I tell you, that's how extreme this case is. Wow, Ezra, tell people how they can participate in the crowdfund if they want to help donate. Well, that's at SaveArthur, that's at SaveArthur.com. And for those who are Canadians, they can actually get a a charitable tax receipt. Uh, For Americans, we don't have a 501c3, so I'm afraid we'll just give a regular tax receipt, regular receipt rather. we have excellent lawyers who have grown very uh, wise in these kinds of laws. But, I, but you know the old saying, we don't need a good lawyer. We need a good judge. And unfortunately, so far, the judges have kept this man in prison. It is atrocious that they denied him bail when, as Nathaniel said, they give murderers bail, accused murderers. And he, all he did was he, his latest offense was giving a 20-minute speech to the truckers. And he's in solitary for that. I mean, I don't know what's happening to Canada. I'm a former lawyer myself. I've never heard of this before. I say he is a political prisoner, just the same as Solzhenitsyn or any of the Soviet refuseniks were, or the Jews of the Soviet Union who were imprisoned for for their beliefs. I tell you, it is reminiscent of the Chinese Christians, of the Coptic Christians, of the Christians in the Nineveh Plain who were attacked by ISIS. There's not the violence, I'll grant you that, but the the relentless persecution is astounding. And of course, most of the media, most of the mainstream media is either silent or they want him jailed. They want to get rid of that turbulent priest. Uh, Let's uh, also have the people uh, on, on this call who can do it to connect you directly with me. And I would like you to tell us if there are people, authorities that we can write to to try to, I don't know a nice way to say this, to try to embarrass uh, what they're doing, uh, Canadian authorities, uh, turn up the PR heat, if if they can be any good, whether it's to a judge or other authorities, if you would let us know what we could do that, let's get connected and I'll put out a newsletter and we'll try to spread the word to those we can. We have some good people listening to this who will respond and try to do their their very best. This is astounding. And how how do people subscribe to Rebel News you could just go to rebelnews.com or frankly, a savearthur.com is a page on our regular website. So you'll, you'll find it there. But if you want to get straight to the Arthur Pavlovsky stuff, just type in savearthur.com and either way you spell Arthur, you'll wind up there. And we have interviews with the lawyer. So you can hear, we have probably 20 interviews with the lawyer. We have uh, court documents. And most importantly, we have video. We have Arthur himself, we have his brother, David. Um, They are a very special family. And just putting aside the politics, to have such resilience and to stand up in the face of such overwhelming odds is truly biblical. It is, he has a patience and he has a strength that can be attributed to no earthly cause. Remarkable. Mario, do you have a question for Ezra? Yeah, I, I do a couple. Um, uh, how many other pastors were, were arrested uh, uh, illegally like this? Well, in the province of Alberta, uh, Nathaniel said three or four, and, and, and I know some of them. We've, we've covered many of them. Pastor Stevens in, in Calgary, Pastor Coates in uh, uh, Edmonton. But it's not just the province of Alberta. Alberta is the worst for some reason, the province of Alberta, but also pastors in Manitoba, the Tysons. 
um, the uh, the old the Mennonite um, there's a Mennonite church community in Ontario that was persecuted. There was a um, pastor in New Brunswick. I'm sorry, I don't have all the names uh, at the top of my head, uh, but I would say at least seven or eight churches and pastors were targeted with a viciousness. Let me give you an example. The province of Alberta, that's north of Montana, that's where Pastor Pavlovsky is. There was a rule that, I mean, Costco never closed. Walmart never closed. The liquor stores never closed. But the churches were ordered closed. There was a time when churches had a limit. I think it was five or ten people, no matter how large the church. Whereas Costco and Walmart, it was a percentage of their fire code. So you could have 500 people in a large Costco. But no matter how large your church was, and there were some very large churches in Alberta, thousands of people, they were only allowed five or ten people. So they had different laws for the Costco and the Walmart than for the church. And I say again, the, to the grand totality of Arthur's offense that started this whole chain reaction, besides feeding the homeless, was he kept his church open for one hour and 10 minutes during a lockdown. That's a fact. Um, what, is there any accountability, whether uh, uh, litigation that might go to the Supreme Court, would, would they win at the Supreme Court level, any kind of political accountability, or is there any way that Trudeau could be taken out of uh, his power? Well, Trudeau is a, a whole other story, and he's just as bad. But I have to tell you that the, the persecution of Arthur Pavlovsky and his brother David and these other pastors I've mentioned, Coates and Edmonton, is done at the hands of the provincial governments. So I cannot put this on Trudeau's head. Although he cheers along, he demonizes people. In this case, it is the provincial government of Jason Kenney. And I tell you, that's quite ironic. Uh, Jason Kenney, in an earlier time, held himself out to be a great champion of religious freedom, including in China. And I, I don't even recognize the man. And he, we were quite close at one time. I think that um, uh, the, the courts are moving slowly. So far, no court in Canada has taken a stand against the lockdowns in the manner that the U.S. Supreme Court has. I know, for example, I, I read the case of California, uh, where the Supreme Court says if you can have singing in, uh, you know, TV productions, you can have singing in church. Like uh, there, there was some, uh, the, the, the churches were not permitted to be restricted any more seriously than secular institutions. So that would have caught the Walmart Costco contradiction in Canada. So at least your Supreme Court has weighed in on certain occasions in Massachusetts, in California, and has pushed back and, and on the mandates. In Canada, no court has stopped any of the lockdowns or the mandates in any substantial way. And our Supreme Court hasn't even heard such a case. Two years in, our Supreme Court hasn't made a single ruling on the lockdowns. We are not as free as you, and you must do your best to keep freedom. And it's not just a piece of paper. It's not just a piece of paper. You need the culture so that lawyers and judges and politicians animate that freedom. It's not enough just to have words on a piece of parchment. You have to give life to those freedoms every year because it's constantly atrophying. Thank you so much for all you do. I just want to comment when you spoke now and before a kind of pleading 
uh, with our audience in the United States. Uh, do not think it can't happen there. Next week, uh, next Wednesday is the celebration of Purim, the story of Esther. And Mordecai went to Esther and said, do not think that because you're in the king's house, you alone will escape. You're saying, do not think just because we live in the United States that we could escape the same type of tyranny. Thank you so much. Back Thank to you. you. Thank you. I'll tell you, Ezra, you jolted us and you are an eloquent communicator. It's really helped us. We're going to go right to our next guest, also from Canada. He's the pastor of Westwood Community Church, the senior pastor there, Pastor Julia Gabelli. He has so many honors. He's the president and chairman of so many organizations. It's just really quite astounding. Uh, uh, overseer with Assemblies of God across Canada. On top of that, he's a president of a, a, a long list of organizations, all of which are very, very pro-Israel. As soon as I read his resume, I handed my phone right to my wife. I said, look at this. You are going to love this guy. This is unbelievable. His accomplishments are staggering. He's going to give us an overview of this. Pastor, we are so, Pastor Gabelli, we are so honored you're on. Uh, talk to us right now. Well, thank you, Dr. Garlow, and and all the uh, those that are on the uh, following the World Prayer Network. I, first of all, I'm very humbled that you would use that kind of language to describe us. And but we just want to give all the glory to Yeshua. I'm from a Jewish Italian background. I'm a Messianic, basically Messianic pastor, but the majority of my congregation are Gentile believers, and we have quite a few. Uh, Jewish believers as well. But uh, just to say to you that uh, our hearts are very saddened as I was listening, obviously, to Nathaniel and, of course, Ezra, which I have great respect for and Rebel News and what God has called them to do. Um, I just want to repeat again that, obviously, uh, the provincial government of Alberta has been very, very concerning here in our province of British Columbia we have not had any arrests. We have had churches fined uh, for remaining open during the pandemic restrictions. And of course, uh, you know, the challenges that arise with that. But what I'm going to do very simply is um, present a cursory look uh, or a cursory approach. Maybe that's the best word to describe this to what's actually happening. I'm going to be mentioning our prime minister and federal legislation and what has been taking place because it really does begin right from the top. So let me just begin by sharing very simply from Proverbs 14.34, which says, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Sadly, we are seeing a moral downslide in Canada. You have heard what Nathaniel said, and you have heard specifically what Ezra has said, and we're seeing a moral downslide in Canada. But I would like to, first of all, share with you what I see happening in Canada, which is directly affecting the church landscape and Canadians that embrace the Judeo-Christian values of the Bible in a confrontational way. I trust that what I'll be sharing with you will give everyone on this call an understanding of how to pray specifically for Canada and for the church in Canada, because it's quite concerning. And then I want to share with you in closing some very positive, powerful, encouraging news of what the Lord is doing in our nation. And I believe this is important for us to share with you as well. 
For those of you that may not know, Canada was founded upon godly principles. Our fathers of confederation called our country the dominion of Canada, taking the name from Psalms chapter 72, verse 8, which declares he shall have dominion also from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Interestingly, this scripture is engraved on our parliament buildings in Ottawa. However, today we are witnessing an erosion of the Judeo-Christian values in our culture and institutions that made our democracy one of the most enviable democracies in the world. This erosion has accelerated, sadly, a growing hostility now towards evangelical believers specifically. And I think I need to qualify that, evangelical believers specifically. Sadly, promoted by none other than our Prime Minister, Mr. Justin Trudeau. Our Prime Minister, Mr. Justin Trudeau, has personally expressed disdain for the evangelical community by declaring very openly to a colleague of mine, Steve Long, these words when Steve was meeting with him. And these are the words that our Prime Minister said to him, I quote, Evangelical Christians are the worst part of our Canadian society. It's become very clear through his actions and statements that he views Bible-believing Christians as the greatest obstacle to his agenda in wanting to make Canada the most progressive and the most inclusive nation in the world. And I want to say this very clearly. You know, our prime minister is a globalist. He's not a sovereigntist. This is why he is so committed to the UN agenda, so committed to what is taking place around the world on the international stage. And um, I'm going to prove that as well through certain actions that he's taken. But it's become very clear through his actions and statements that he views Bible-believing Christians as the greatest obstacle. And I repeat it again to his agenda in wanting to make Canada the most progressive and the most inclusive nation in the world. Now, please understand, um, and I wanna qualify what I'm saying. I'm not wanting to condemn our prime minister, but to simply state that this is what he's been declaring, this is what he's been doing in pursuing his agenda. In fact, I personally do not wanna be an enemy of government. I feel that God has called me to be a Mordechai who was sitting at the gate. And it was because Mordechai was sitting at the gate that he was able to be a voice of truth, influence as well, to influence Esther or Hadassah, her Hebrew name, which then ultimately saved the nation and saved our Jewish people. So as far as I'm concerned, it's important that you understand my heart is never to condemn our prime minister, but to simply state the facts. Um, obviously, we are praying for him. We're praying that he would have a supernatural encounter with God, a revelation of our Lord Yeshua HaMashiach, just like the Apostle Paul or Shaul had on his road to Damascus. So we're asking God for a Damascus road experience for our prime minister. I want to share briefly with you some examples of this agenda, which has polarized 
and marginalize the evangelical church and Bible-believing Christians that proclaim God's word as the authority, defining what is right or wrong, for example, regarding sexuality or marriage or a parent's right to teach their children a biblical worldview. I believe that this will give you an idea of the mindset that is creating this confrontation between the church or evangelical believers with our government. We began to see our prime minister's true agenda with his first act in changing the eligibility for funding for churches that were seeking to hire young people during the summer months. It was called the Canada Summer Jobs Program which was designed to help nonprofit organizations specifically to hire young people during the summer. However, the first indication of this hostility that he had towards really evangelical believers was that every applying church or organization had to declare that they were supportive of abortion and sign an attestation, which Personally, we did not, and I know of many other leaders that did not sign this attestation. And we had been availing ourselves of this program for many years, hiring a number of young people that were studying in Bible college and wanted more experience in the church or working in the church during the summer. Now, to give you an idea regarding the push that our prime minister has to promote his abortion agenda nationally and internationally, the prime minister has committed for the next 10 years to give $700 million per year to fund and promote access to safe and legal abortions for women. Now, listen to this for women in the developing world, third world countries. He's committed for the next 10 years to give $700 million to promote safe access for legal abortions. For third, world country, uh, for third world countries. Under this prime minister, Canada has now become an unwelcome destination for Christian refugees fleeing the persecution in the Middle East. This is very sad. Our previous prime minister, Mr. Stephen Harper, launched Canada's Office of Religious Freedom in order to monitor religious persecution and protect religious freedom. Upon taking office, Mr. Trudeau, our prime minister, closed that agency immediately. Yet what remains as a contradiction in his apparent sympathy, or I should say what remains as a contradiction is his apparent sympathy towards Muslims. Recently, oh, something happened here. You're still on. There we go. Am I back? Yep, you're on. Okay. Recently, he brought to Canada 30,000 Syrian Muslim refugees in an expedited manner, completely taking care of them financially and with extensive government subsidies, and even granting them Canadian citizenship without going through the vetting process. Now, what enrages, however, many Christian leaders is that he only allowed 1,200 Yazidi Christian refugees into Canada and refused to take care of them fully as he did with the Muslim refugees. 
it's very clear that this prime minister and the liberal government does not hold Christians in the highest regard, inside or outside of Canada. On March the 17th, 2021, right, you know, right in the smack center of this pandemic, our government officially put into law Bill C-14, which is the MAID bill or medical assistance in dying, seeking to force doctors, even against their will, to euthanize patients if they request it. A fourth very disturbing, very concerning thing that our prime minister has done. His most recent egregious law that was officially enacted on January the 7th of this year, 2022, was the conversion therapy ban, which was Bill C-6, and it passed through our House of Commons, sadly, even passed through the Senate unanimously. It was so disconcerting to see how all of this took place. Now, Bill C-6, the conversion therapy ban, has now made it illegal for parents, for counselors, for pastors. For example, to help someone who is struggling with their sexual identity, who come to them for help, it is now illegal to encourage them to accept their biological sex and reject the sexual dysphoria that they're experiencing. In other words, a parent, a pastor, a counselor could face imprisonment of five years, up to five years, if they tried to stop, for example, a parent tries to stop their child, um, you know, for one, from wanting to have a sex change or a counselor, their client or a member from the church wanting to change their sexual identity. Righteousness, and I repeat it again, exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. We need to pray for Canada. We need your help desperately in Canada. Canada is on a moral slippery slope, and the church is on a direct collision course with our government. You have heard, obviously, of the, of the pastors that have been uh, arrested, and um, all of this is very, very concerning. We are believing God for things to turn around in our nation in a very special way. Our prayer recently has been, and with the network of churches and ministries that we oversee, pastors, we've been encouraging all of our pastors and all of our networks to pray and declare Daniel's prayer. In Daniel chapter 2, verses 20 to 22, when Daniel said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his and he changes the times and he changes the seasons. He removes kings and he raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in darkness and light dwells with him. This has been our prayer. This has been our cry. God, would you change the times and would you change the season here in Canada? And if that means God, that our prime minister has to be removed, you do it, God. Sadly, I've referred to him as the Teflon prime minister. There are three major scandals, or now even the fourth major scandal, if we want to view it as a scandal regarding the invoking of the Emergency Measures Act against the truckers. 
But there were three major scandals that he should have been forced to resign. And somehow he was able to overcome and still stay in power. I call him the Teflon prime minister. Nothing sticks. But we need to pray that God will intervene. Now, however, despite the trouble and the growing persecution that we're seeing uh, here in Canada, I want to declare and, and end with some wonderful closing comments about what God is doing through the remnant, the church, that is arising with a spirit-filled boldness and power, proclaiming and preaching the gospel of the kingdom with miracles, signs, and wonders confirming the word of God. I like to use the expression, the water level of the spirit is rising in Canada. It really is. It has been increasing and rising in a number of hot spots, so to speak, around our country, and many are coming to faith in Christ. We're seeing prodigals coming back to the Lord in massive numbers. We're seeing people, as a result of all that has been taking place, seeking and searching for God, and the Lord is saving. The Lord is healing. The Lord is delivering. God is doing some amazing things. I just want to simply say that in my own assembly, in the last two years during this pandemic, we have baptized 54 former Shiite Muslims from Iran. Iranian Shiite Muslims that have been seeking and searching for God, and they've gone through our discipleship program, and they've been gloriously saved. They love us. They love Israel. They, they love the Lord. Many of them are paying a price for their faith. Many of them have been ostracized and, and marginalized from their own families. We're seeing God do incredible things. This was in the last two years during this pandemic. God is moving powerfully. Now, can you imagine what that looks like, how they are under our leadership? And here I am as a Jewish-Italian Messianic pastor. And in the natural, when you consider the Iranian-Israeli conflict, you would see this as something very, very challenging, something very difficult to happen. And yet they love us and love the Lord and love Israel and are praying for Israel continually. Only the Lord can do this. Only God is able to do this. But also we're seeing incredible moves of God in prayer initiatives right across our nation. We've never seen this measure of unity uh, where the church is arising to pray nationally and provincially and locally for our nation because opposition has a way of uh, creating a greater solidarity and a greater unity. So even though there's been a lot of trouble for the church, yet there's a lot of blessing. As someone rightfully said, that blessing and trouble are two train tracks that reach the station at the same time. And that's what we're experiencing in Canada. God is moving by his spirit. And I'm excited about what God is doing, regardless of what is happening in the political realm, in our government, and the challenges that we're experiencing and seeing. I believe we are on the threshold of the greatest revival that this nation is ever going to see. And I am grateful to God for what he's doing in our midst. So 
I'm going to stop right there because of time. There's just so much more that I could share. But just to give you a cursory look of what is taking place in our nation, but to God be all the glory, regardless, regardless. I choose to focus on the kingdom of God and what he is doing because his kingdom will override and overcome the kingdoms of this world and the evil kingdoms of corrupt politicians and those that would rise up against us. To God be all the glory. What a great report. Mario, what questions do you have for the pastor? I have only one question, but I'd like to ask the pastor to pray. Um, the question is, uh, you didn't mention, I can only imagine, uh, where uh, the prime minister in Canada is regarding Israel. <laughs> okay, that's a good question. As I mentioned, our previous prime minister was considered, actually considered, the greatest friend of Israel. And our present prime minister, even though publicly, he says that we're strongly supportive of Israel and we are obviously friends to Israel, yet his actions once again continually prove to us that Israel is not as important as he is letting on or is wanting others to think. It's not. He is actually more interested in, um, you know, in promoting the underdog mentality of the Palestinian, of the, um, you know, those that are obviously uh, being, being oppressed by, you know, totalitarian governments and so on. Now, again, our own prime minister um, puts on a good face. And I think on his public platform, he makes those kind of statements, but in reality, he is nowhere near uh, close to being like our previous prime minister. And again, uh, nowhere, or we have not heard from, uh, especially our Israeli MKs and Israeli government leaders, any real positive comments about our Canadian prime minister. They know and realize that he's very different than our previous prime minister. So that is a sad thing for us and it's very concerning for us, Mario. Great, I'd like you, if you would, we're going to a time of prayer to lead us in prayer for two things. Number one, for Canada, your leadership, your situation. But number two, we were so encouraged at the end we need that encouragement here in the United States. We're unfortunately not too far behind where you're at. We're feeling the pressure, the persecution. We don't understand what's going on, but I know the heart that God has given you, the anointing, the zeal, and the passion is so critical to us being able to see God in the midst of the difficult shaking. Please pray for us here as the church in America. Okay. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Avinu Shabbat Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of Yeshua. Lord, we thank you that it does not matter what takes place all around us, that you will come and be glorified and you will move on behalf of your people. Lord, as we think of the United States, first of all, we're so grateful for the United States. We're so grateful for the American church that has really been the beacon in the world. 
And God, I pray that even in this hour, especially for the United States of America, that is finding itself in the tension of change and transition, that God, you would just move powerfully upon the church in the United States, first of all, that the church would arise with even greater boldness and greater declaration to confront, oh God, that which would uh, rise up to stop the very kingdom of God. Lord, I'm praying that you would move powerfully upon the United States of America. We are looking to the United States of America for that kind of a leadership again. The leadership, Lord, that will arise, that will be, uh, be a light for the entire world. God, we pray in Yeshua's name that you would move mightily in the U.S., God, I thank you for the many that are arising, but God, there is much more that could take place. I'm asking, Lord, that you would move powerfully. Lord, I keep repeating that, move powerfully upon the United States of America. And God, I pray as well uh, for Dr. Jim Garlow and this team of World Prayer Network. Would you bless them and minister to them and continue, Lord, to expand their horizons using them for your glory in a very powerful way. Thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do. We ask all of this in B'Shem Yeshua, Adonai, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Back to you, Jim. Well, Pastor Julia, we are so appreciative. We want to keep in touch with you. That was a really brilliant oversight, uh, overview of, uh, of Canada. And I, I am amazed the, the similarities in our two nations are quite profound. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please read the show notes for additional details if you would like a copy of the book or resources mentioned. Remember that WellVersed is a 501c3 tax-deductible nonprofit organization. We rely on your support and partnership. Thank you for listening to the WellVersed podcast. For more information, please go to www.wellversedworld.org